welcome back to Bears on Tap. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDown300, and you can follow my co-host, Quentin, at ButtkissStats. Today, we're going to be breaking down the Bears and Vikings this weekend. Second divisional game of the season, a team that we kind of kind of split with, right? Like, we usually beat them, they usually beat us. Like, it just kind of depends on what the year is and what the circumstances are. But first and foremost, let me check in with co-host Quinn. How are you, my guy? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just uh, looking forward to a hopeful Bears victory, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is a team this year that has underperformed. We talked a little bit last week after we finished the show. They just played the London game last week, too, so there could be a little bit of jet lag issues. But they've gotten super good performances from Jefferson, and they've also gotten ghosted performances. Their running game, which is predicated on Dalvin Cook, has seen him get a little banged up early in the season, but obviously Alexander Madison's no slouch. So this is a team we're very familiar with. Uh, Kirk Cousins, as you see in my name for today, Kirk Cousins uses tinfoil on the grill, is not a quarterback that I'm necessarily scared of. I am just scared at how our corners, if we don't have Jalen Johnson, will play against the receivers because the Vikings receivers are one of the best groups, one of the best uh, group of receivers in the in the league. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Cousins is a guy who just he is really really good at taking what you give him you know and he can he can do very well taking what you give him because he's very calculated and careful with it but in I, I mean we all know the knock on Kirk Cousins has always been like the joke like in big games and you know primetime games all that but like I think a big part of that is in big moments defenses don't give you what you need you know and that's where he struggles is when he's not able to take what they're allowing him to take. Yeah. And I think with the way our defense has played, right. The pass rush has been very aggressive. They've been in your face. They've been making things happen and getting in the backfield. And then on the back end too, like we've been creating a lot of turnovers this year as compared to the team last year. So I think the defense is a little bit more aggressive. We've seen better play out of guys like Kendall Vildor Obviously, the rookies have some stuff that that is left to be desired, but that's the whole part of the growing process, right? Like, it's not like we expected these guys to come in and instantly be the best at their position. So I think this is a good matchup. Obviously, we're big underdogs. Like, I think we're seven-point underdogs for this week. Yeah. So everyone has already counted us out. But their defense – I mean, how do you feel about their defense? They're also a little banged up on the defensive side of the ball. Lewis Seen just went down. They're one of their rookies. But they have a pretty damn good pass rush, I'll say, and that scares me with Justin Fields and our O-line. Yeah, I mean, I look at their defense, and it's like the – it's the definition of when you're like – you're looking at, at a roster, and you're like, they could be good, you know? <laughs> it's like in preseason, I felt like you look at them, and you're like – if everything goes right, they could have a good defense. But, like, it was a lot of, like, if everything goes right. You know, Daniil Hunter hasn't played a full season in two years leading up to this year. Um, I think he's looked pretty good. I haven't gotten to their film yet on defense. I've only done the offense so far. But um, Zadarius Smith was hurt all of last year. You, don't, you didn't know what he still had. He's looked good. I know that just for, like before I've done film, that he looked very good. He was popping uh, up so all over far. that game last week in London. Like he was making plays. Yeah. But on the, the rest of their D line, I mean, I still think their interior is pretty weak uh, outside of Dalvin Tomlinson, who is a, an absolute unit, but <laughs> which it's still. It still blows my mind that the, the Giants had Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson together and couldn't come close to a winning season because you just could not run the football on those two. Uh, but anyways, that that's beside the point. Dalvin Tomlinson's about as good as it gets at, at no Fuck the Giants. <laughs> Fuck the Giants. Then, I can't believe we lost of, that game. Outside of him at the nose, like I, I'm not sure how – how good that D line really is. And I mean, I, Eric Hendricks was outstanding at one point in his career. I don't think he's the same player anymore. Um, 
his past, like his athleticism, I think has fallen off a little. And he was all, he was, you know, a coverage linebacker, you know, it's what he did relied a lot on athleticism. Um, they got Jordan Hicks next to him at linebacker. Who's a guy, you know, he, you can get by with Jordan Hicks. Okay. But then at corner, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Cam Bansler. I, I wanted the bears to draft him a few years ago. I was, big on that train, but he's, he's had an up and down career so far, but I mean, I, I think he's in a, uh, the thing that's really stands out about Dantzler is that he is, his length is ridiculous. He has super long arms and it, I don't think it's coincidence that he's doing well in this Ed Donatel scheme, who, if you don't recall, Ed Donatel was the Bears secondary coach when Vic Fangio was here. He was Fangio's right-hand man for years um, and Fanio loved uh, length at cornerback. It was like one of his biggest traits that he cared about. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Dantzler's doing well in this scheme. Patrick Peterson, um, I think he's actually had a bit of a revival this year after a down year or two or three. He's looked good but, so far um, this year, yeah. And, I mean, honestly, a lot of that probably is. I assume they're playing a lot of quarters, and it's probably just – him being able to say this quarter of the field's mine and I don't have to worry about all the lateral stuff. I just got to go North South is probably helping him a little. Um, and Harrison Smith's still good. He's not what he used to be, but he's still good. He's still, you know, I feel like safety is a spot where as long as you can stay healthy, you can age really gracefully as your athleticism falls down because so much of it's up here, you know, it's such a mental game. Um, and he still has that. And he's still out there, you know, grinding. But I'm, I'm a little bit relieved that we don't have to face Lewis Seen in this game. He's he's been out since week one. Uh, I was not happy that they drafted him in the first round, uh, playing next to Harrison Smith. But generally, I mean, this defense is, like I said, I, I'm I, I squint at him and I go, they look good, you know. But like it's also, good on paper, yeah, good yeah. on paper defense, yeah. Um, if they're, it's like anything, if they're, if they're very committed and very, um, disciplined in the scheme, they're going to be very good, you know, but it's only their fifth game in this scheme. I I think there's probably some holes you can take advantage of as long as you can slow down Hunter and Smith. Yeah. And as a resident expert in the Vikings, cause I watched their entire game on Sunday, dude, they were getting carved up by Andy fucking Dalton. So, like, yeah, I know we haven't been great through the air this year, right? It hasn't looked pretty, but <laughs> the defense can the, – the shots can be had, right? And one thing that I noticed last week, too, when I was watching the game, too, was uh, the Saints ran the ball all over the Vikings. So, like, like you said, kind of to your point, looks good on paper, has a lot of dudes, but hasn't put – that same production back on the paper for this year like I think like I said at the top of the show it's a team that overall has underperformed and the Vikings are a weird team because everyone kind of expected them to compete with the Packers this year but maybe they're a couple pieces away maybe they're right around that nine winner eight win team but I don't know I feel like we could we could definitely take more shots than we've been taking against this defense in the past few weeks like we made the Giants' defense look like the 85 fucking Bears, and it was sickening. Yeah, I mean, it's all going to come down to how you slow down Zedarius Smith and Daniel Hunter. I mean, if if they're blowing by Borum and Jones, or if they're – I mean, Zedarius Smith is known to play inside on passing downs. Like, if they're pitting him against Lucas Patrick at left guard, or, like, they, they think he can overpower him, that gets – real tough to take shots you know it's just the the reality of having a rough offensive line and a qb who does not navigate pressure well at this point in his career um but if they can slow those guys down there should be plenty of room to do stuff and to make plays i mean fields fields played some really good football against the vikings last year i think they're they might have been a better defense on paper last year. I don't think the scheme was as good, but they might have been better on paper. Yeah, and I think 
from our offense, right, like our offensive standpoint, we haven't seen any progression through the first four weeks of the season. We've kind of just seen, like, if you look at it for what it is, the first week, you're not really going to see anything, right? It was a hurricane, Soldier Field. You can't really play well in that. Second week, it's the Packers. You get the early touchdown, and just like in typical Packers game fashion, it's like, oh, shit, like maybe we have a chance. And then you end up getting shit pumped, and you can't do anything for the rest of the game. And then, like, Texans game, not a great offensive performance, not a terrible one. The defense really bailed us out at the end with Roquan. And then last week, it's just like in four weeks, we have no identity. Obviously, we know we're going to run the football, but – there's no real like passing concepts that you see that are worked week in and week out. When we complete a pass, it's like when you go, well, when we, I don't have kids, but when we played, it's like when you're playing in little fucking league and the kid completes the first pass of the game to like one of the two tight ends that are on the field as you run the wing tee and you hand it off 90% of the time. So it's sad, it's sickening, but at a certain point, you have to take the training wheels off and you have to let Justin Fields sink or swim. And why not try it against a division opponent? Like, why not? That's what I'm kind of like. Take shots. If you can get that, like you said, if you can get that time and the offensive line, which we haven't gotten to, we have big news and bad news on the offensive line front that we have to get to. But if you can get the protection up front and Justin Fields can find receivers open and, like you said, it's quarters, so maybe we could – hit the intermediate routes and then eventually take our shots. Then we could get more points than fucking the 13 to 17 points a game that we're averaging. Like maybe we could see a 21 or a 24 point performance, which to other teams would be like 30 or 40 points. But like, dude, just, just give me a game where we score three touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, I mean, they scored three touchdowns week one and they've scored three touchdowns since. (laughs) (laughs) It's gross, dude. It's gross. We're good at kicking field goals. Touchdown in five and a half quarters now. It's awful. Thank you to the Money Badger for keeping us in the game last week. (laughs) Yeah. So week week fifteen last year, uh, Justin Fields had a seventy three point five passer or uh, PFF rating and two hundred eighty five passing yards against Minnesota. I mean, he, he had a good game, three big-time throws. I mean, he he clearly was able to do something last year, so I think the hope is that he's able to kind of make some magic again this year. Um, one of the things that I will say with uh, with the quarters defense, it's almost it like the way – the way Fan, uh, Fangio ran it, and the way da- I assume Donatel runs it, is it's the, it's that man match quarters. So like, it's almost like they're playing man coverage a lot of the game. Exactly. Like, yeah, and they're it, usually it's, in it's the back pedal. Great man. Yeah, but and so it's like if when you're running deep routes, you're one on one. You know, so yeah. I mean, if if you can burn a one on one guy, they're gonna have shots against a man match quarters that if they're not taking sacks before they can outrun them, you know? Yeah, and for, for our viewers that, that don't necessarily know, just imagine, like, four people lined up and just backpedaling. You know what I'm saying? And they each get yeah. that, that one area or one quarter of the field as opposed yeah. to, like, cover two where it's just, like, where you see Eddie Jackson run 38 yards back and catch a Willie Mays pick over his head. So a little less responsibility to your point about Patrick Peterson and maybe – why he's been able to play a little bit better. He had a couple PBUs that I saw that were pretty nice. And I'm like, dude, this guy's got to be like 36 years old to be playing. Well, so a lot of the, uh, like like you can throw it back to the 2018 bears because everyone remembers that. Right. So it was like the, the quarters defense was like Prince of Mukamara had the sideline to to halfway between the uh, midfield and the sideline. So that first quarter, then from where Prince's, zone ended uh say that amos had that to the middle of the field and then middle of the field to the next quarter was eddie jackson and from there to the other sideline was kyle fuller now a lot of variations that they really threw out there that which is where it gets really interesting like when you have a guy like kyle fuller who is as rangy as he was you could start playing um i believe it's cover six where you're talking. Oh yeah. That's some sicko shit, dude. Like 
so at that point you're you're saying okay you got and this is this is what Fangio loved to do. Prince had the one quarter deep. That quarter of the field was his all the way to the end zone. And then uh, say that you'd have Eddie Jackson in that next quarter, and it's super condensed for Eddie Jackson with his range. So all his range is really just going north-south at that point. And then you could bring Amos down into the box or into, into a, a, a zone hook or – something like that. And then Fuller could take it the hat, the other half of the field because he was so rangy or the way it got really interesting was when you had, when you did it with Prince Amos and Fuller. So Prince and Amos had the two quarters and Fuller had the half. And then you could just play a robber with Eddie. And that was when Eddie was making some nasty plays. Sorry, I, I get hyped up about No, no, that <laughs> defense is very complex when you break it all down. And and honestly, like when it allows your players to be able to make jumps on the ball or to be able to be aggressive because you know that you have that specific area, yeah. it's different. And they the have – So cool is like say that Kirk Cousins' first read was to Prince. He sees Prince, says, okay, they're in quarters. It goes to make a throw to another side, but that side's in cover too. You know that that's that's where that that's a completely different coverage. His he's, brain he's is just, just reacting, spinning. or vice versa. He reads cover two over here, so he goes over here, and they're in quarters. Like it's it's a it's a chess match coverage, and it's fun to t- fun to think about. Yeah, offensively though, I think this is a team that presents our defense maybe this maybe probably the second best offense in the in the schedule so far that we've played, but without Jalen Johnson, I am like worried for our young corners against Thielen and Jefferson. Cause that's just nothing to play with. You know, honestly, if I'm, I, I touched on this on the post game last week, if I'm, if I'm Eberflus, I'm, I'm putting anyone else in nickel right now. And I'm, I, I'm hoping that Gordon, cause Gordon has looked, solid on the outside nickel is where he's been getting torched i this game i i wouldn't even risk him getting destroyed by jefferson in the slot because that's what they're going to do you know they're going to they're going to put jefferson in the slot all game if gordon's there and I, i'd have him playing outside just playing aside whoever goes there and go make some plays kid because he's he's looked solid there it's the it's the that nickel corner spot that is so difficult yeah, and a lot of times too, you got motion, you got stuff moving in and around that area. Like those guys are always moving around. You have to worry about the end arounds too with Justin Jefferson and Thielen. They've shown yeah. in the past. Well, so do that if you well. want a comparison, like this, uh, the Vikings off or their new head coach Kevin O'Connell, he was the Rams' offensive coordinator last year. Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson are playing very similar roles. So you're, you're talking about Cooper Cup going in out of the slot into the backfield. Like, that that's the role that you're looking at with Jefferson right now. Yeah, and luckily for Jefferson, there's other players in that offense, so he doesn't have to get 20 tar- 22 yeah. targets a game. But you, I love Justin Jefferson as a player on my fantasy team, but <laughs> I'm going to have to – maybe I'm going to have to sit him on the bench and just hope that that's a good omen to keep him from scoring points. But – it's a very interesting matchup, but it all of a sudden our mindset and the conversation completely changes, even if it's Jalen Johnson at 80%. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. Jalen Johnson's battled with him through throughout his career so far. And if Jalen could come back, I really want him there. But if he isn't 100%, I guess, I guess maybe it's not worth it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, his whole injury has been weird. Like, it – we haven't really heard much. Does anyone about it, really know how? Like, we just know it was a practice. It happened in practice. Yeah, it happened in the middle of the week at practice. This is about to be his what? Is, if he misses this game, it's his third, third miss game. game. Like, I mean, and part of me was like, like looking back when when they hired Eberflus, the first thing I thought of was like, track shoes don't translate to stretching, and we saw that in two thousand four with Lovey Smith with a bunch of dudes tearing up their hamstrings in Lovey's first year. And I I, I I hope it's not something like that because he's going to be out for, you know, more than a few weeks if it's a hamstring. 
Yeah, and those are nasty issues that can can continue to linger throughout the season. You know, like if you get a hamstring yeah. pull once, you you're probably going to get another one before the end of it. And I think right now the most important thing going into this game is just figuring out a way to make them beat you outside of Jefferson and Thielen. Make them beat us with Irv Smith. Make them beat us with with Delvin Cook. Like you know what I'm saying? It, we can't let them take the easy stuff and I think the most important thing, too, on defense, especially if we want to win this game, because you're not listening to this podcast if you don't want us to win this game. But, well, actually, I found out uh, through my Huskies podcast that you get some enemies that will come over for a listen. So welcome to the show. But on this show, we believe the Bears will win this week. And uh, I think we need to win the turnover battle. And I think we need to win it by more than one turnover. Like I think we need two-plus turnovers whether it's a pick and a fumble, a couple picks. If you've noticed the, the most fun games that we've had with the Vikings, the ones that we usually end up winning over the years, my friend Eddie gets involved. And uh, I'd love to see a pick six on Kirk Cousins because that would just be beautiful this week. Yeah, looking at – so for this week, like I, I usually review tape of one game of the opponent to for my game preview article and I put it out on YouTube. Um, I just got done with the – the Vikings offense, I reviewed their game against the Saints last week, which, you know, Saints are a pretty good defense, so, like, pretty talented. Um, so, I don't know if it's the most comparable thing, but it was either them, the Packers, or um, the Lions, or the Eagles, and I felt like the Saints were the most reasonable choice. Yeah, that was, that was the closest, like, back-and-forth game that they played all year. Everything yeah. else – I felt like it, the game would give me the most up and down, not just either or. Um, and really, I mean, one thing I noticed is once uh, – so this is still a new offense for them. Like this is a completely – not completely because they were in a Kubiak before us. So there's probably some similarities, but very much a new offense for their personnel, for their quarterback, for their receivers. And I noticed play two plays in a row, two passes in a row – where the receivers were either confused or hesitant or ran the, clearly ran, ran the wrong route. And after that, it was like Kirk Cousins forced a ball into Adam Thielen the next pass he had, which was like it was not open. The, the corner made a play on it. He didn't get a pick, but he made it pretty easy, easily got his hand in there. Um, and then a few plays later, he forced the ball deep to, uh, I think it was Jefferson, into, I mean, I want to call it double coverage. There were two guys there. The throw probably looked more open when he made it than it ended yeah. up being. The safety covered a lot of ground to get there, and he uh, he almost had the pick. They actually got bailed out by pass interference on the corner on that play, but, like, the safety almost had a pick. Um and like that's the type of play Eddie Jackson can make. That like that type of range, that's that's what Eddie Jackson brings to your team. Um and as Kirk Cousins starts to get a little frustrated in the offense, it seems like he's forcing the ball more. And it's like we've always like always kind of seen with Kirk Cousins. It's like in big moments or when not necessarily big moments, but like when the adrenaline is a little higher he tends to make some decisions that are questionable. Um, which was like in that, before that one, that the safety ranged over and almost picked, he was, he was at the line of scrimmage, you know, changing everything, screaming, like they, they'd just gotten a big, like third down conversion before. It's like his adrenaline's pumping as high as it can be. And then he's making a throw. That's like, should I have made that? Yeah, no, Kirk Cousins is an all time, like uh, scapegoat in the NFL. Even when he was with Washington, like he's yeah. when when he's good, it's great, right? Like he's throwing yeah. for four thousand yards. All your receivers are getting involved. Your offense is firing on all cylinders. But when it's bad, it is ugly, man. Like it's yeah. it's like WTF picks. Like he's just looking up, like what the fuck, dude? And I don't know. He he is like you said in those pressure situations, he crumbles. Like he's not made for that big moment. And I'm not gonna call. Uh, division game against the Bears, like the biggest moment of his career. Because like I said, he's probably split with us 
I don't know if he played us when he was in Washington, but he's probably about 50-50 in games that he's played against us. It, give or take a few, like maybe they're ahead of us by one or two, but we're not counting here. We're just going off top. And I think with the turnover situation, the way we've been able to create them and the way you just described, like, dude, give me like a three pick. To, like, just give me Kirk Cousins on a fucking piece of tinfoil and let's throw him on the Weber grill and let's call it a day. Like, that's all I want. Yeah. So for that to happen, we need we need the interior D-line to have a hell of a game because they're – so yeah. far, they're a very meh unit. You know, they haven't really shown us a lot yet. We've got it and, from the outside, though. The outside pressure is yeah. better. But the interior pressure is what can really get Cousins. I, I mainly say that because the Vikings' tackles are good. Like, they, this is the first time in years that I feel like the Vikings' offensive line has bookends that are quality football players. Um, and that can – that that just mutes a lot of the, a lot of the outside pressure, but the interior pressure, the Vikings interior O line seems like they can be pushed around to me. It's just a question of whether the Bears are capable of pushing around. Yeah, and another thing too is both their backs are quality. I'll say quality chippers. They're just good yeah. backs to have next to Kirk Cousins in the backfield if you need a nice chip or if you need just a little extra protection for that split second to get a throw off. So even, even the blitzing pressure is going to be under a little bit more pressure, if you will, this week. But the most important thing for that, that front seven is for that front four to get as much pressure and us to not have to blitz because when you start blitzing Kurt's Kirk cousins, even if you don't get home, you're leaving people out on islands and, like, let's be honest, their players at the skill positions are better than our players defending those players on skill positions. So we may be able to get away with a few plays, but over the course of the game, eventually, like, those guys are going to make the plays that they usually do on Sundays, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I expect to see Eberflus simulate quite a bit of pressure up the A-gap in this game. Um and hopefully bring guys here and there because if you never bring them, it's like the bluffing is kind of pointless. But the Saints really gave the interior O-line of the Vikings fits this past Sunday uh, with, with the double-A gap pressure. And whether they were coming, whether they weren't coming, they brought them when they weren't even showing, stuff like that. Like They got free runners at Kirk Cousins a few times. Which and that's about which, when which causes him to shit his pants. Yeah, yeah, that that's about when he started rattling a little bit and like kind of the, the throws started sailing a little more and uh, and that's and then it led to the kind of the fuck it moments of you know Rex Grossman releasing yeah eighty four million dollars and another extension for this fucking dork <laughs> dude. It's crazy. I feel bad for Vikings fans. But then again, I don't because they're Vikings fans. They made that choice on their own. Like you decided to support a sad franchise and we have to find a way to beat them. Um, is this this game at home or away? I think it's at. Minnesota, it's it's in correct? Minnesota. Yeah. So that may, that, I'd say if we Tough were. Place s- to play, but. Yeah. If we were I, seven point dogs at home, I would be a little scared, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know the numbers on it. I haven't looked it up, but I want to say the numbers are very unfavorable for teams who uh, elect to not take a bye after going to London. But I'm not sure about that. I mean, so I heard someone talking about it. I forget what podcast it was on, but um, they were saying that, you know, the flight from like London to say that you're like, your team in New York. The flight from London to New York really isn't that much worse than the flight from New York to like LA. Yeah. But like Minnesota to London might be, I mean, it's like one and a half of those. And then um, he, it was a former player, I think. I think it was Deontay Lee with the Athletic who was talking about it. And he was saying that, you know, the flight's not really the biggest problem. And like, neither is the, the mental clock because like, you're playing at 9:30 a.m. this time like you, you know you're you're probably not uh resetting your clock while you're there you know you're yeah. sleeping during the day and stuff 
but it's more like you just got back from a vacation, you know, and you have to go get groceries and you have to like do all this laundry and like all this, all this everyday stuff that you don't think about with these guys. But that's like, he said, that's the biggest impact of like playing overseas. Kirk Cousins ran out of Reynolds rap, right? And (laughs) if you know anything about Kirk Cousins outside of the Sunday one o'clock window, which happens to be the game that we play this week, he is a shell of himself. So Maybe yeah. he's getting over a little bit of jet lag. Maybe he had a couple extra, a couple extra crumpets. Maybe some more, you know, fish and chips. I don't know, but actually, Kirk Cousins, so I, I had a theory about him playing in London. That was like why I, I, I didn't bet that game, but I was like, if I was betting it, I bet the Vikings because this is the anti-prime time. Yeah, he get half the viewers he gets at noon, <laughs> and everyone's gonna be in different jerseys. No, I. Uh, I made two bets on that game, their team total, which was like a double explosion because Justin Jefferson scored the touchdown to put it over. And then, like, just as much as that explosion happened, the kicker missed the extra point, so three and a half just died right there. So I was like, all right, we just need overtime. And we did not – let me tell you, we did not get overtime. (laughs) But it is what it is. I I think it's going to be closer – or at least around seven points. And I also anticipate similar to weeks past that this line will move more in our favor than it does the Vikings. Like you're more likely to see like an eight or an eight and a half than you are a six and a half come Sunday. Yeah. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So I don't the Bears know. haven't, haven't given betters any reason to believe in them exactly. you know, outside of week one. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I will, be betting on this team for the foreseeable future unless it's against teams like uh, uh, like the Commanders. I was about to call them the football team again, but then I remembered they've been newly named. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's the game that follows this up. We got Thursday night right after this, so it's going to be – you're going to see short week for podcasters. It's going to be tough on us. A couple, yeah. couple quick episodes, couple quick hitters. Might as well just go like every day between Sunday and Thursday just get everyone warmed up. But – as far as offense goes for this game, so you're Matt Eberflus. Who is the most important person to you on the offense in order for us to win this game? This week? It's Lucas Patrick. He's got to fill in admirably. I mean, he the the passing game noticeably got worse when Cody Whitehair left last week pass protection noticeably got worse. Like, I I mean, I think there were actually more sacks taken when Whitehair was in the game than Patrick, but I think the pressure was a lot worse um, or a lot more consistent. And they need to, they need to be able to hold up. And that starts with Patrick being a stalwart at, at left guard, which can help Mustafer. And can help Jones. And, I mean, I'm not too worried about the right side. And I, I feel like Jenkins has been rock solid. And Borum is, I think Borum is Charles Leno. Like, he's he's good enough, you know? He, well, you can get by with him. Don't say that because there's a picture that's floating around on Twitter of Charles Leno blocking his teammate last week. So, <laughs> Man, people just love to hate on Chuck. But, like, <laughs> the dude was solid. He was yeah. good enough. I didn't hate Charles Leno. I just hate hated that his wife like just got on Twitter after every game, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like stop. She's on mute buttons for. Yeah, no, I I would just I would sometimes search for it just to be irrationally (laughs) angry. But it's kind of like how like Matthew Stafford's wife pisses people off. Like I don't know. Speaking of wives, bring up wives. An important uh, divorce is upon this uh, league, uh, Tom Brady and, and Giselle are about to get a little divorce. It looks like, so I pray we don't play them this year. We don't have Tampa on the schedule, right? No, no. Yeah. Another guy too, that no, I know nobody cares about. I got him on fantasy and I'm like, okay, he's been sleeping on the couch. It's about to go get him a nice little loft, like in Tampa somewhere. And he is about to go the fuck off for the rest of the season. But I don't know, man. Giselle's a witch. Oh, I didn't think about that. That too, yeah. She's, Giselle has been the reason 
her spells are why Tom Brady <laughs> is still around, and now they're gone. My yeah. only question is, is Tom Brady smart enough to have like made the spells like unbreakable? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I mean, Father Time catches up with everyone, so he needs to to use like his uh his his elixir, his orb that just makes him uh what is it immortal is what they say where he just can't yeah. die like he just plays until he's like 80 but yeah weird situation going on there but he and they haven't looked good at all they scored they had their best offensive performance this last week and uh Bidon came through with the Chiefs money line to bring it back even on the day Sunday so yeah. that was an easy one but oh yeah the, the NFC is is wide open this year right like the Rams don't look good the Packers have not looked good the Cowboys have looked a lot better than everyone would have expected them considering that Dak went down. And like, if I had to sit here right now and gun to head, pick someone to win the NFC, I honestly couldn't even tell you. right now. Yeah. I shoot. I don't even know. Um, exactly, bro. It's that wide open this year. Not saying that we're in that mix, but we'll be I on mean, the, in been... the hunt graphic. I've been saying since the season started, this is going to be one of those years where the nine and seven Eli Manning Giants win the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, because dude, even the Bills, it, it has to happen. The Bills, the Bills haven't looked good either, and they were like, dude, they were like plus three hundred to win the Super Bowl. Like that is gross odds that you shouldn't even get unless you're already in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like that is way too yeah. low of odds to be betting on anyone to win the Super Bowl. Thirty-two teams, there's no shot. So much happens over the course of the season. It's terrible. Like teams that could surprise are really like the. I don't think the Vikings will do it. First year head coach. It won't be a first year head coach. I mean, so if we want to go like full like John Fox 2001 Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons are your team. Holy shit, dude. Stop. Uh, undefeated against the spread. Marcus Mariota's out there throwing like seven for 19 over the course of like a whole game and still finding ways or, to win football games. Or it could be the Seahawks. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop it. Who I said would have the number one pick this year. Dude, the, hey, Gino Smith's looked good though. I know, He's looked man. good. He has looked good this year. So, all right. So we got a little off the rails there to start talking about random NFL stuff. But back to our matchup. So, Flip sides, go to the defensive side of the ball. Who has to have the best game in this this game with so many weapons on the other side of the field? Angelo Blackson needs to be a bully. He needs to just – he needs to be throwing guys around. Like, I'm not <laughs> joking when I – like, so Bradbury's undersized with short arms at center, right? Bad yeah, like length, a T-Rex, undersized. a T-Rex. Yeah, he's he just doesn't have the power to, to stand up to guys who are bigger and stronger stronger than him, and he 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 he's a good center, but he just struggles with the anchor. Um, and Ezra Cleveland has a lot of the measurables you want, but him and Ed Ingram at guard, like I just watching the tape, it was just like I couldn't believe how many times they were sitting waiting for their block to come to them flat-footed as opposed to going and hitting their block. And it, it like that's the difference between Roquan Smith squeaking by you or Roquan Smith getting flushed out of the play, you know? Um, and it, it happened a lot in the run game. But, I mean, that's even more of a testament to a guy like Blackson, though, who can – I think Blackson has the power to really make the day hard on these guys. I'm not sure that Jones – I think Jones is a bit more of a finesse player, but Blackson reminds me more of like that uh, he has some power that can be dominant at times. It's not consistently dominant, but we've seen him throw guys around before. So that's why I say him. I want to see him throw around the interior of this Vikings O-line and really just kind of get after Cousins, kind of mess up their plans in the run game. Um, this is a big game for Angelo Blackson in my opinion. So for me, I'll go I'll go offense first, and this is some real sick, sick shit that you're about to hear, but just get ready for it. Like we said earlier, right, paper good defense, not actually good defense. So 
I think I'm going to say total yards. I think Justin Fields accounts for 250 total yards. I will say I I don't know which, which – uh, if he gets like 125 rushing yards, 125 pass, like split Wait, right down the are middle. We, are, are, are we talking net yards where you deduct sack yards? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, fucking net yards. We can just say we're not. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just going meatball yards. How about that? Okay. Like, as many meatballs, like that. Meatball as, you, yards. as many meatballs as you can fit in a French <laughs> roll before you throw the cheese on top is the yards that we count here at Bears on Tap. But I also, in that same sense, I want to see him play a perfect game with the football. So no picks, no fumbles. Just find a way to put our team in a better position to win because through week four, he's or through week four, he's been one of the main people that has gotten in our way, right? Like obviously Luke Getzey hasn't called plays that have been great in certain situations, but Justin Fields has been one of the worst performing players on our offense. It sucks to have to actually say that sentence out loud, but it is the fact of the matter. So you just want to see him take small steps. And I think this week, like I said earlier in the show, be a little bit more aggressive. Take more shots down the field. You got Mooney involved last week. I think he had over 100 yards. You've been getting Komet more involved over the last few weeks. And then we just need a little bit of something out of the other guys, the St. Browns, the Pringles, those type of guys. So obviously we haven't even talked about the injuries, but I'm assuming that David Montgomery is still – Still out for this game. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to peep yeah, into so the report. Yeah, I'll run through it. I'll run through it real quick. But let me give my defensive. So on defense, ah, I'm such a meatball for Eddie Jackson, and he's so fucking bad, baby. I want another interception out of Eddie Jackson, but in 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 something that can't be measured. I want him to lead the defense out there because this week coming up against the Vikings, unless we get a couple guys back. It's a young unit, especially in his area of the defense in the secondary. They haven't gone up against this caliber of receivers yet. So we need Coach Eddie. We need Pick Eddie. We need Six Eddie. I need every version of Eddie Jackson that we can get out there on Sunday leading that secondary. But to the injury report, so we'll start on the Viking side, less players than ours, and then we'll go through ours uh, after that. But uh, you talked a little bit about him earlier in the week, Cameron Dancer. I know he did go down last week in that Saints game, but he was a full participant uh, today. Zadarius Smith, uh, offensive or not offensive, outside linebacker. Uh, he's pretty much just a pass rusher. He doesn't do t- too much covering. His knee is is what's ailing him, but he was a limited participant. And then Andrew Booth, cornerback that we talked a lot about, could have been a potential guy that ended up with us uh, in the draft this year was a limited participant as well. So a little banged up in the secondary and all on the defense. So, I mean, even if one or two of those three guys is out, that significantly changes, you know, the level of players because those are all three quality players that are on the injured list for them, you know? Yeah. Um, Has Booth played much this year? I don't know if he has. I just know Dancer went down. He might have been injured like all year so far. His art or their version of uh, Bayless Jones. Yeah, Booth hasn't played a snap yet this year. So he maybe could be making his debut this year. So week. maybe we could cook him up real quick, give him his welcome to the NFL moment with Darnell Mooney, right? Yeah, pick up your teammate. Pick up Kyler Gordon. <laughs> pick him Andrew Booth Jr. Yeah, exactly. Like, it can't be as bad as that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there was something else I was thinking about with uh, – with the, the Vikings offense, but I can't can't put my finger on it. So they like to they're like what I noticed in the Saints game, their first like four throws were all within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage outside the numbers. Safe throws to get a rhythm going. Try to try to stop it. Try to, you know, keep them from getting in that rhythm. Be ready for it. I don't think they're gonna be attacking downfield early. I think they're gonna be trying to get Kirk Cousins getting in the feels, you know, not just cousin, but Jefferson and Thielen getting them, you know, feeling like the man. So be ready for it. Be ready to jump around here or there and try to try to make a play. Cause I mean, from what I saw, it was predetermined reads on the first three, three throws of I'm going there, I'm going there, I'm going there. And it was just, you know, to get in that rhythm. 
And uh, oh, yeah. one he other loves thing a, I noticed. He loves a forced throw like he loves a fucking grilled steak on a piece of tin <laughs> But so where they changed, like, they into the second quarter, they started changing it. Like, he started hitting second reads and third reads. And it's like, but they, they clearly, they it was pretty clear that they wanted to get that rhythm set early for their guys. Because um, Cousins is a rhythm passer. You know, he's a guy who he needs to have that feel. Um, and the other thing that I noticed, especially thinking about how this this head coach comes from the McVeigh tree and uh, all the golf years he was there, and um, they get the snap off very early in the play clock consistently. They are trying to play fast ahead of the defense, get get it get the play in, get it out, snap it before there's, you know, even 15 seconds left on the play clock. But when they don't, this is something that we saw with the McVay offense when golf was there. Late rotations are a big, big help. Even when they do get it off quick late road, because to me, it sounds like the coach is giving them a lot of info through the headset and it, it clicks off at what 15 seconds is when the, the headset and the helmet clicks off. So you can't talk to him anymore. Late rotations are going to change what the coach, like the facts that the coach was, was telling you like, that's, that's how uh, Fangio and Belichick beak off in 2018. And like, you know, and it, it kind of exposed him because they were rotating late they were showing nothing pre-snap and then rotating into their coverages late and that's one of eddie jackson's biggest strong suits is his ability to do that yeah i was at that game that was one of the most fun sporting events that i've ever went to (laughs) because it was just such a fucking slobber knocker like just such an ugly (laughs) game neither team actually moved the ball it was all defense but yeah it's a big one this week and they got every opportunity in front of them because it's an offense that even though they will probably take a little while to get going. As the game goes on, they start taking more and more shots down the field, and they have the receivers that can make those type of plays. And, I mean, just if we can, please let us get Jalen Johnson back. We're not asking for much. Our expectations aren't high, but I would love our chances a lot more going into battle with Jalen Johnson uh, for this matchup. But other than that, I don't really have too much. Um, do you have anything else you want to cover? Yeah, just one more thing. Uh, so Jefferson's big catch last week was like a 50 yard catch. Um, it was like, it was one of those plays where I was like, how the hell did he get that wide open? Um, I'll tell you how, because the Vikings last week, I think it was only last week. I haven't checked the other film, but they were running from under center and like heavy formation, so double tight end, double running back, something like that, full back in there. And they were passing primarily from spread shotgun sets that were condensed, like condensed sets with a lot of uh, a lot of receivers out there. So by condensed sets, I mean they're all inside the hashes. Um, and the Saints caught on to that and started, you know, knowing it was a run when it was a run when it was a pass, when it was a pass until that Jefferson play, because the Vikings said, we know that, you know, and the saints didn't know, we know that, you know, that we know, you know, like their, their linebackers bit hard on the play action and they panicked backwards in coverage. One of their linebackers took out the guy covering Jefferson. Like they just tripped over each other and Jefferson's running free over the middle of the field. That's what that type of stuff gets you. Like, so that's just something to be cautious of, that they are aware of their tendencies. Yeah, and over the course of the game, we've seen that defensively, like we've been able to make good adjustments to what teams are giving us. Now, last week may be an exception to the rule because we saw the Wildcat. And we were just like, yeah, let's let's cover Daniel Jones because he's a clear threat on this play. But it's a team that we're overly familiar with, right? Like, even though Eberflus is new, these players, well, a lot of these players are new, but the majority of our players, which is only 37% that are returning to this team from seasons past, they are very familiar with how to attack this team, both on offense and defense. But, 
I think it's closer than seven points. I'll probably end up being a sucker and taking the Bears because I'm just an asshole like that. But what do you have for a final score prediction? Um, I think – I forget what I put in my article. I think if I had Vikings by eight. Oh, terrible. All right. So I'll Minnesota play – is a tough place to play, man. It's a tough place to play. Break all the glass while you're up there, boys. Bears by – a welcome back, Cairo Santos field goal. Uh, let me think of a stupid score because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be 27 to 24. Bears. There you go. If it's, a, if it's any consolation, the meatball model has the Bears winning by 23. So Yes. So, and like we said, line up. That's like 23 the, kick return touchdowns. Not all Valus because he's so. Pay- yeah. Give me a Valus. Okay. We didn't talk about special teams, but give me something more than what we saw from Bayless Jones last week because it wasn't pretty, and they didn't really even bring him out, if at all, on offense. I don't remember really seeing him that much on offense, if at all. And obviously he didn't make a splash on special teams. So find a way to get Bayless involved. But I mean, he made a splash. Yeah, the wrong splash. He, He he needed his water wings or he needed his flotation device because he made too big of a splash. But yeah, he didn't play a single offensive snap last week. Yeah, that's gross. So, find, yeah, get him out there on those corners. Get Darnell Mooney out there on those corners. Utilize Cole Komet. Get Fields out of the pocket because that pass rush is going to be in his face. And one final note before we wrap up. So, on our side of the injury report, players that did not practice today, again, Dane Krupshank, uh, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Jones, and then Monty, and then limited participants for Ryan Griffin and Matt Adams. So, getting Ryan hot. Griffin back would be big. They like in week yeah. one, he out snapped Cole Komet. Like they he plays, he's Ryan played Griffin well, yeah. A lot. Yeah, he's played well so far. So, I wouldn't hate having him back for this game. We need that veteran presence, but you got to find a way to win a football game in a hostile environment with a bunch of people dressed up as Vikings and. You just hate to see it for them, but we're going to go in there and hopefully find a way to get us our third win on the season. And whether we win, lose, or the the very rare tie, which now that I say that, that's a possibility. Maybe the game goes to overtime, but we got to find a way to win it. And whether we win or lose, we'll be back with you guys Sunday right after the final whistle to recap it. But, again, this was Bears on Tap presented to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300, and you can follow my co-host, Quentin, at ButkusStats. And then make sure to check out ontapsportsnet.com and then our main account, at BearsOnTap. We got nothing else for you guys. Really do appreciate you for listening. Got nothing else. We'll be back with you a little little in the mid-afternoon Sunday. And bear down. Bear down.